How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Today, you want to take a crack at projecting the Yankees starting infield for the 2023 season. Now, there's a couple of pieces that will be moving. In fact, there's a lot of different pieces that are going to have to move. I mean, you're looking at the Yankees. They're under the third luxury tax threshold right now. They're in the second one. But if they go out and they sign a big left fielder, you know, like Conforto, if they trade for somebody and add a couple more million to the salary tax, uh, the luxury tax, rather, you're going to see them get to that third tier, and I don't think they want to get there. They want to reduce, so they may end up trading some of these players. You know, there's definitely a good argument to make that Josh Donaldson should be offloaded. Isaiah connor falef has been rumored in, in certain packages, and even Glaber Torres. So there's a lot to discuss here. There's a lot of movement, but I think that I've come up with my preferred infield. I think, Ryan, you and I are probably on the same page with this one, just based on the value, getting the right bats into the into the order, um, and giving our youth prospects some time um, to really acclimate and get ready and, and transition to the big leagues and, you know, actually carve out a nice role for themselves. So, Ryan, before we dive into projecting the starting infield, how do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great. I think, you know, we were talking about, I, I know yesterday uh, we posted that graphic about LeMahieu's uh, health and kind of uh, that it's expected he's not going to need surgery, which is huge news, especially when we're talking about the infield, because that was a massive question mark. You know, whether LeMahieu, not whether he can stay healthy for a full season, which, you know, is a question in and of itself, but uh, whether he's going to play on opening day, right? I think that is something that a lot of Yankee fans and a lot of people were rightfully concerned about. Um, and I think that gives the Yankees a lot more depth and a little more uh, breathing room in their infield. Because, you know, right now when we look at the depth chart, you know, at shortstop, it's probably, you know, you, you have Peraza and ICAP at the major league level. Um, you know, at second base, it's Glaber. And then LeMahieu kind of backs up second and is also part of that third base depth chart with Josh Donaldson. And Rizzo's probably, I mean, Rizzo, I think we can both agree, is the, I mean, first base, that's not really a question. There's no, like, you know, prospect or, or you know, coming off a bad season or anything like that. He's very, he's going to stay at first base. And that's not really, uh, the Yankees are just going to stash him there and not really worry about it. Um, you know, ultimately, right now, the way I look at things is, is, you know, the Yankees have a lot of, as you mentioned, a lot of youth in their farm system. You know, Cabrera, I didn't even mention him. You know, he's on the major league roster and he showed a lot of great signs of uh, potential last season and can play all four infield positions. And at least three of them, I know he can play at a very high level. Um, Volpe is going to be a factor on this 2023 team. I'm not sure exactly when, but he will be a factor on this team. Um, you know, ultimately, I think the first thing I would I think we can agree upon is Oswald Peraza should be the starting shortstop in 2023 on opening day. Um, you know, Volpe is very good and Volpe is someone that's very exciting. He's the better prospect, but I think giving him some time and, you know, uh, at AAA would benefit him. Um, and Peraza is very, he showed a lot of very good signs. You know, defensively, there are a ton of highlights already. Uh, with the bat, he showed a lot of solid contact skills. You know, one thing that I find interesting is, you know, I initially perceived him because you look at the wall, rate and you're like oh he must chase a lot um no at triple a had a 20.3 percent chase percentage which is really low that's that's a really good chase rate that means he's barely expanding the strike zone and we saw that at the major league level he didn't chase a lot either his chase rate was in the low 20s right like this is a guy who ultimately is gonna be someone who the yankees are gonna be able to rely upon in my opinion to get good production from you know relative to uh expectations right he had a 20.9 percent chase rate according to fangrass major league level that's only 0.6 percent higher than his triple a one you know whether will and he's and he actually handles breaking balls decently he's overall just a very solid prospect in terms of projecting his offense to the major league level um because he does a lot of things very well already that you would you're scared 
uh, a prospect will struggle with. Like, for example, he didn't really chase much against off-speed pitches. He didn't chase much against breaking pitches. He hit breaking pitches really hard. You know, he's someone who's already doing a lot of the things that young guys struggle to do. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to go out and have like an 850 OPS or anything like that. But hey, can you, you know, hit 260 and, and get on, and have a 330 on base and, and, you know, have around a 170 isolated power, which will give you like a 430 slugging percentage. That'll put you in an OPS range of 750, 770. You know, that'll give you pretty good offensive numbers. And we know the defense is very good in the base running. He stole 35 bases last year and was only caught a grand total of five times. So bigger bases, full season, get me, get me some great base running, play some great defense, and then continue to do what you already do well at the minor league level and hope that translates to the major league level because I think it will. Yeah, look, I mean, everybody knows first base is situated by Anthony Rizzo. Maybe they'll give him a couple days off, which is where DJ LeMayu comes into play on occasion. They have a lot of depth. You're looking at Josh Donaldson, IKF. I don't see either of those two guys starting games if they are retained. Um, but with that being said, second base, this is a big transition point for second base. I think that um, there's a massive split, a massive, like, it almost feels like 50-50. 50% believes that Labor Torres should be traded. 50% believes he should be kept because he had a good 2022 season. Now, in my opinion... Um, I, I could see it going either way. You know, I, I'm, I'm content with either decision. Trading him now, if it lands as a good left fielder or maybe even some good bullpen support, I would be intrigued. I wouldn't say it's necessary, but I'd be intrigued. Um, the more likely scenario, in my opinion, is that the, the Yankees end up keeping Glaber Torres at second base until Anthony Volpe is ready. There is no rush for Anthony Volpe, guys. In, in my personal opinion, there's no rush to get him to the major league level. He had like 20 games worth of AAA uh, action with Scranton. Um, he struggled a little bit, but he is a guy that needs some time to just continuously get more reps experience, and he's going to get better. With Somerset, he really struggled last year in the first month or two, and then suddenly he exploded and was unbelievable. He was unstoppable. He was hitting home runs, stealing bases, um, just doing everything at a high level. So the transition to the AAA team, you know, he took over Oswald Peraza's spot uh, there at the end there um, when he was with the Yankees. So, you know, you're looking at what would be the best decision for him. I think I'm right in line with you in the sense that Anthony Volpe could use a little bit more time in AAA. There's no rush. Why would we just elevate him for the sake of elevating him if we don't need him just yet, right? You still got ICAP on the roster. Are you Can you really argue that um, uh, Volpe is going to be better than Glaber Torres and Peraza immediately right off the bat? Probably not. He's probably not going to be as good as those two guys right off the bat. But that being said, um, there is a point where I think when he does showcase that level of continuity consistency and production at the triple a level that he will be ready to make that jump and it will be the right timing you know you don't have to rush these things when you don't need to it will be the right timing with that being said i think that the more likely scenario is that glaber torres is the starting second baseman to open the year but he's traded by the deadline and volpe ends up taking over there or he ends up filling in at shortstop if Oswald Peraza is struggling for whatever reason, offensively or defensively. I think defensively he's going to be elite. Offensively, you just said it, projects very, very nicely. Um, even if he's 100, you know, gets 100 WRC plus, he's a league average player with elite defense. That's that's good for me. Um, you know, that's his rookie season. You look at Jeremy Pena, uh, his numbers weren't astronomical. He was fantastic during the postseason, but his regular season numbers were okay. They were, you know, about what we expected. So looking at Peraza, expecting great defense, offense, maybe some struggles. As you said, really, really good base runner. Um, you know, doesn't chase too often. You know, I, I think that his numbers will come back down to 
earth a little bit from that 18 game sample size he had at the end of the season where he was just ridiculous. I think he had 306, the 40% on base rate, had a homer, um, and really was just showing a veteran level patience at the plate. And he had a kind of a favorable matchup down the stretch with some weaker teams that he's able to get experience against. Against Houston, just did not look at offensively, but defensively made some flashy plays. I think that we're going to see him do a lot of gold glove level stuff. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he won a gold glove as a rookie. Um, that's kind of how good he is at that position defensively. But if he's struggling offensively, uh, I think the Yankees just kind of have to give him the reps, give him the experience. It takes time. You know, I expect Peraza to struggle for the first month or two of his professional career uh, as a legitimate rookie, and then he's going to ease in and get kind of the hang of it. If his season averages don't look that great, it's because he started slow. And I think that's the same thing with Volpe. Um, with that being said, um, Ryan, when you're looking at the second base position, shortstop position, personally, I think Labor Torres stays at second base until the trade deadline, and they move him for uh, to maybe allocate some value toward uh, the, the bullpen, which every year there's going to be injuries. You have to fill a weak position at some point in time. Labor Torres can be flipped in that manner. But how do you see Volpe transitioning? What role does he take? Do you just say, you know what, let's put him at shortstop, or maybe you, you just replace Gleyber Torres with him in second base, or maybe you even say, let's move Peraza to third base, put DJ LeMahieu back at second base, and put Volpe at shortstop. What would your sequence be there when he does make that jump to the majors? Yeah, so I definitely agree with you on the point that, you know, the Yankees need to keep Gleyber Torres for now. Uh, you know, Volpe has, not that Volpe can't, be good at the major league level on opening day but that's a huge gamble to take for a team that's a win now team and Glaber Torres gives you production and he's still pretty young too he's gonna enter his age 26 season this isn't an old player necessarily uh you know he figured out a lot of things with his swing last year that helped him generate some power a 115 to 120 WRC plus with his defensive value at second base I mean you're, you're gonna get pretty good bait you're gonna get a pretty good player in Glaber Torres this uh this upcoming season uh as you mentioned you could flip about the deadline get some prospects or relievers or whatever you need, even if, you know, there's a huge question mark in left field. If the Yankees were to bring in Kepler or Conforto, you know, there's a very real chance one of those two guys, you know, doesn't play well, right? Because of either the injuries with Conforto or Kepler never not making the adjustment that the Yankees maybe uh, initially perceived he could, um, you know, Glaber becomes someone you can now flip for a left fielder and, you know, uh, feel pretty good about that situation. But, you know, Volpe is someone who I think needs to start AAA for a little bit. Um, I really believe in the base running. I think the defense is better than a lot of people give him credit for. The bat, I mean, he doesn't strike out a lot. And he walks a ton, right? Like that should play well in Yankee Stadium. He should be someone who I think is going to be a 120 WRC plus hitter very quickly. He's going to establish himself as one of the better hitters in the middle infield position very, very quickly. Uh, he, he projects to be a war machine, man. Like, I mean, it like the literal, like the, the metric, not like, you know, a war like combat. Um, but, you know, he's got, when you're a great base runner, when you're a great defender, when you put up good offensive numbers, like you're just going to compile a lot of wins above replacement. Look at Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon got off a horrible start last season. He still finished with a, a wins above replacement above four. So, you know, when we're looking at a guy like, like Anthony Volpe, I look at Marcus Simeon and I say, that's why I hope Anthony Volpe can be because that's a guy who's, I mean, he's just going to compile value. He's just going to throw up a ton of value. He's going to eat up games played. He's going to eat up stats. He's going to eat up the volume metrics. He's going to just absolutely crush in that regard. And so I do believe in Volpe a lot. I really, really like Anthony Volpe. I think the Yankees made the right decision in holding on to him. They should have that, that they made the right decision in doing that. Um, but you know, I, I think you have to give him some more time. You have to allow him to develop. There's no reason to rush a guy when the guy in front of him. It's not like this isn't last year where you know the Yankees have Ike Half in front of uh, um, you know uh, Oswald Peraza. You're like Oswald Peraza is so clearly more talented than Ike Half. Like it's not even debatable. What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Um, and then on top of that, you know, 
you mentioned like injuries to the pitching staff. Who's to say one of your infielders don't get hurt? Who's to say Oswald Peraza doesn't struggle or Glaber doesn't struggle or LeMahieu doesn't struggle or LeMahieu doesn't get hurt, right? Like things happen to your infield all the time. Things happen to your roster all the time. You cannot go into a season thinking, you know, the four guys I got starting for me in the infield on opening day are going to play every single game all year. There is going to be a situation for Anthony Volpe to come up. It is going to happen. I don't know who. I don't know when. I don't know how. But it will happen because that's baseball. That's just how baseball is. So, you know, Volpe is going to have his opportunity. Um, and, you know, I look at even a position like third base. You know, LeMahieu's anchoring third base right now. Um, LeMahieu's very injury prone. Uh, you know, he's getting a little older. And I'm sorry. I don't trust Josh Johnson to do anything for this team. Yes, he's a good defender. But what does he add to the lineup, right? I, I mean, he doesn't – he's not going to help you in the leadoff spot like LeMahieu does. Is he going to help you in the middle of the lineup when his power is diminishing, right? Like, what does he do for you in the lineup? Not much. So, ultimately, if the if LeMahieu goes down, I, I would rush to call Volpe up at that point, right? You know, I would I would do that before I, I give Donaldson starting reps. Volpe is an athlete. He has the range and the capability to play third base. He's played phenomenally at shortstop. A lot of people don't give him credit for that. He's a phenomenal defensive shortstop. Um, so, ultimately, I view Volpe as very talented, but you got to give him time. The lane's going to open up for him. You just got to be patient. That's right. I think patience is definitely the key here because ultimately there's no reason to rush him up. And as you said, DJ has had his fair share of injuries. So you have to be kind of prepared for that. And the Yankees are prepared for that with all the infielders they do have. With that being said, I think DJ LeMahieu starts a season start at third base. You know, you have Gleyber Torres at second. You don't really need him to be that utility man because you have Oswaldo Cabrera who can play pretty much every position. Um, let DJ play as long as he possibly can if he gets hurt. You know, that it is what it is, and then you shut him down for a while, and you have Volpe come up and supplement the loss, and then DJ is ready for the postseason. You know, like, that's ultimately what the strategy probably will look like. Um, but, you know, with that being said, the hot corner, DJ is a gold glove defender wherever he plays. Hot corner, second base, I'd say shortstop, maybe not a gold glover, but he's maybe he can play an average level there. Um, I'm fine with him. Look, Josh Donaldson, great defensive player last year. He was phenomenal. You know, really, really good. But his, his bat is a liability. I don't trust him batting fifth. I don't trust him batting sixth. I don't trust him batting seventh. I don't trust him batting eighth. I don't even trust him batting ninth. I don't want him batting in this lineup at all. The amount of pitches that he saw go right down the middle that he didn't swing at is actually irritating. It's my skin crawl. So when you're looking at what the Yankees should do now, you get DJ LeMahieu in that freaking lineup. You get him, whether it's whether it's leading off, and, and right now I'd say you're probably looking at, at him as a leadoff hitter because you we haven't got Benintendi, didn't get Yoshida. Um, right now you're kind of saying, okay, DJ, that's our leadoff guy. You let him go up right in front of Aaron Judge and let Aaron Judge bat him in. That, that's that's the strategy. That's what it's been for years. That's the way I think that it continues to, to go uh, moving forward here. But, you know, trusting Josh to bat fifth anymore is not an ideal scenario. Um, you know, we did a discussion about what the projected batting order will look like. And, you know, I think Labor Torres probably slots in fifth or sixth. And, you know, they, Harrison Bader probably seventh or eighth. Um, Trevino is going to be your last hitter, you know, just traditionally, obviously he's not the best offensive player, but, um, has to be in that lineup since his defense is just gold glove elite level stuff. Um, but you know, when you're looking at the lineup as a whole, Ryan, the importance of investing in your youth for the future is the strategy that the Yankees have been predicating themselves on for a very long time. We've missed out on years of elite shortstop markets, right? Last year and this year, some of the best shortstop free agency markets we've seen in history right? The Yankees passed on all of them. They were like, we're sticking to our plan. We're sticking to our guns. Anthony Volpe is their long-term plan. Oswald Peraza right now is a part of their long-term plan. If Volpe ends up going off the rails and just killing it, 
Peraza probably becomes a trade uh, possibility and you might want to flip him for something. But at the same time, why not just reset the entire second base position, trade Torres, and then situate Volpe and Peraza as their starting infielders for the future? They have no service time accumulated, right? They are dirt cheap for the next six years, guys. Dirt freaking cheap for the next six years. You have DJ LeMahieu locked up on a long-term deal. Judge obviously on the extension. Harrison Bader's on a one-year contract. Maybe they go and trade for a Max Kepler who has one year with a club option left. Um, there are a lot of pretty affordable, you know, young players. Oswaldo Cabrera could end up starting at some position at some point next season, depending on, uh, you know, production or injuries or whatnot. A lot of young players, but they're very, very good and they project very nicely. So, you know, next season, I think that you just commit to those guys. I think that we can win. Just look at what the Houston Astros did with Jeremy Pena, right? You can win with young players playing key positions. You know, this is not something that teams, you have to have them in, in some respects. You have to have young players elevating their game and making um, impactful plays and doing big things in big moments. So, you know, I'm not I'm not really sitting here like the Yankees should be starting Josh Donaldson I ICAF because they have experience. Who's to say that they're going to be any better than the young guys we have on this team? I'd probably argue that Peraza is going to be so much freaking better than IKF. It's not even a, de a debate. Um, we talked about IKF maybe being traded back to the Minnesota Twins uh, because they're looking for a shortstop, and Max Kepler is on the on the the, the trade market for the Yankees. So, um, you know, do you think? I guess my last question for you is: Do you think that the Yankees will probably end up trading one or two of those infielders before the season? Because there is kind of a logjam right now, and you can't have twenty one million dollar player sitting on the bench. I think ICAF's definitely getting dealt. I think, you know, not not just like, I'm not going to sit here and trash ICAF because ultimately, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why ICAF was so disliked was because the Yankees played him out of position. I think, you know, yes, he can play some shortstop, but occasionally, right? You know, not maybe not a full-time guy. And also there's the aspect of, you know, internal metrics for the Yankees may differ from like outs above average. Maybe it reflects more with defensive run save, right? Where ICAF was one of the better defensive shortstops in all of baseball. Um, but ultimately, you know, ICAF, I think, has value to a major league team at $6 million. So I, I do think the Yankees can flip him and get, you know, some random uh, prospect, a top 30 guy, maybe in that 25 to 30 range in an organization. Uh, and, and that would be a good return for them. Josh Donaldson's interesting because I don't think anyone wants Josh Donaldson. We've ta I've talked about this before on the channel. You know, Donaldson isn't just a liability on the field and he isn't just an expensive liability. Not only do you have to worry about the $25 million, I think it is, to the luxury tax, plus the $8 million buyout. But he's also a guy that has had a lot of issues as a clubhouse guy. There are plenty of reports. There are plenty of cases. There are plenty. There's a lot of information out there of, of rookies who've come out and said he, you know, he was very aggressive with hazing. Or, you know, pe you know, there was that report I've mentioned multiple times that Carlos Correa's, that Josh Donaldson's presence was part of the reason why Carlos Correa wasn't really in tune with going into the Twins. And it wasn't until they dealt him that he was willing to sign there. Josh Johnson's not a very well-liked guy. Josh Johnson's not a very popular guy in this league. Bringing him into your clubhouse is a tough sell for a lot of people. You know, even for Yankee fans, we have experience with this. In 2021, I mean, he was a complete douchebag with the cold stuff, right? Absolute douche about it. Um, you know, I don't think any, any Yankee fan, you know, can say that he was doing himself any favors with those comments. And, you know, whether it's pimping fly balls that aren't home runs and costing his team uh, extra bases, we saw this in the playoffs. He got thrown out at first base. That could have been detrimental that Rizzo not hit a, uh, that massive home run. Um, you know, ultimately, he's just not a guy you want in your clubhouse. And and I don't say that for a lot of players. I really don't because I don't know these players personally. But I can tell you that Josh Donaldson is definitely not a guy you want in your clubhouse. And he's an expensive guy, and he's not very good at baseball anymore. You know, you can deal with douchebags when they're good at baseball. You can't deal with a douchebag when they're not good at baseball. It's a it it, it there, There's no positive value there. Glaber is 
easy to trade. I think Glaber would have a lot of value on the trade market. Very inexpensive middle infielder, very strong second baseman, but I don't think, think the Yankees, it would be in the Yankees' best interest to do so. I honestly, you know, it's going to sound crazy to say this because it's an expensive thing to do. You just got to cut Josh Donaldson, I think. If you can't trade him, he can't be on this roster. He really cannot be on this roster. He he doesn't provide any value for you at third base. He, you know, you have DJ LeMay you there. Do you want to see if he's insurance for DJ LeMay? you uh, if you want to have a very expensive bench but i don't want the yankees to fall into a sunk cost fallacy which is this idea that because you traded for him because he costs so much money you have to start him you don't you know if if it's an ex- you just got to bite the bullet and say we are wrong that's okay and either bench him or get rid of him it's it, even if you can't trade him it's fine you know i will understand i think every yankee fan will understand um you know ultimately peraz is someone that i think could be dealt you know as you mentioned if volpe kind of makes him a uh, redundant but, you know, you can make the argument that Volpe could just be the long-term second baseman. As I said, I've compared him to Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon's an elite baseball player. Jose Altuve, an elite baseball player. Neither of these guys are shortstops. Um, they're second baseman. So maybe you end up with a player like that, and that would be a franchise cornerstone. And Peraza kind of anchors down the defense at shortstop. You know, I think Peraza profiles as a guy that plays well, and the Yankees could maybe extend him and buy out his arbitration years and becomes a very cost-controlled, long-term piece to this team. They're both very young. They're both very athletic. They're both very good for what this team needs in terms of contact and base running at the bottom of the lineup. You know, Volpe, I imagine, doesn't really climb up to the top of the lineup until his second or third year uh, playing Major League Baseball. Um, but ultimately, you know, you, LeMahieu's set in stone. You're not going to get rid of him. Rivizzo's set in stone. Obviously, you're not going to trade him. Glaber, I think, as you mentioned, at the deadline could be a, move, a guy you move. Um, but IKF kind of stands out as the best balance between the guy that a guy that the Yankees kind of don't really need right now and a guy that has actual value on the trade market. So I would assume he's the first guy to go. I, I'd be shocked, absolutely stunned if he was on the roster next year. Not to diss the guy, but mostly because I actually think he has value to a major league team. So it's it's not really a diss. It's more of like a I think he's not terrible, and I think the Yankees don't need him. So um, that's kind of my stance on that uh, to kind of wrap things up. Ultimately, the Yankees need to make sure that they have lanes for Peraza. They have lanes for Volpe. They can't fall into this trap of playing veterans. I don't think they're going to fall into that trap. Um, And ultimately, this team is going to play a lot better next year because of their internal talent, right? They've passed on a lot of really good shortstops, as you mentioned, you know, not even just, you know, coming back to last year. Lindor, they didn't trade for him. Story, Bogarts, Turner, Seager, Correa, twice with Correa, you know, Swanson. those Those are some of the best players in baseball all passed on for Volpe and Peraza. So they have high hopes for these guys. I have high hopes for these guys. And I think that they're going to make a lot of Yankee fans very happy over the next three to four years as they kind of come into their own as established major leaguers. Absolutely. I'm very excited, guys. But I'd love to hear your perspectives on all the different things we've discussed, what your ideal infield would look like, some decisions on Glaber and you know DJ and Josh and IKF, a lot of different things to go on and variables that are going to impact the way that manager Aaron Boone puts this together. But we're really excited. We want the youth guys to step up and make an impact next year. We think that they're the future. You better you know kind of get on the wagon sooner or later, whether it's due to injury. I think Peraza ends up starting a shortstop immediately. But uh, we're going to find out. It's going to be really fun the next couple of months as we get ready for the regular season, kind of see how things are implemented in spring training, who gets an opportunity to showcase what they've got. It's going to be super, super exciting, but really appreciate everybody uh, joining us today on Fireside Yankees. Make sure to enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Um, like and subscribe as always, and we'll catch you guys on the next podcast.